I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd alert! Hello there, aviators, and welcome to a very special edition of Nerd Alert. Uh, very special show for today. We're going to shake your nerves and rattle your brains. We're going to bring you the kind of show that drives a fan insane. Uh, it broke our will, but what a thrill! Goodness gracious, Top Gun Maverick is our topic today. But to help me break down this summer behemoth of a movie, I've got, first of all, my right-hand man, uh, Mario, uh, the man who does all the real work while I take all the glory. Ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. So given that we're talking about Top Gun, <clears throat> I get a chance to bring up one of my, my, one of my favorite movie nerd facts. Uh because it relates to the F-14 Tomcat. <clears throat> uh, in, in the second most popular movie to ever feature the F-14 Tomcat, um, The Final Countdown. Cool. Not uh, a different Final Countdown? Okay. I don't know. Do they use that song in the movie? I don't know. I don't, I'm pretty sure they're unrelated. Um, you got me. I don't hear music. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> uh, so the, the 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 USS Nimitz, a nuclear aircraft carrier from the 80s, goes back in time to just before December 7th, 1941, just before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now, they don't realize where they're at after they go through the storm and everything. So the first thing they do is that they launch uh, CAP, uh, you know, Combat Air Patrol of uh, uh, two F-14 Tomcats. And these Tomcats encounter... Two Japanese Zeros, Mitsubishi, um, uh, the uh, Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi A6M, yeah. oh, no. uh, A6M Zeros. And the director, of course, wanted to have a shot of the 14s, the F-14 Tomcats, uh, chasing the Zeros. <clears throat> now, there's a little bit of a problem with this, considering that the... Um, uh, uh, I'm not sure what the cruising speed. I think the cruising speed uh, of uh, a, a Tomcat is somewhere in the neighborhood of like uh, uh, 2,000 kilometers per hour or something. Uh, I got its maximum speed is Mach 2.3. Um, so its cruising speed is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,800 to, to 2,000 kilometers per hour. Uh, or hang on, the the about about a thousand miles per hour. 
it's really goddamn fast. Got it. Really goddamn fast. However, the maximum speed of a Japanese Zero is 331 miles per hour. So in order to get that shot in the movie, the the Zeros <clears throat> are max throttle at around 330 miles per hour. And the Tomcats are damn near at stall speed, which the design stall speeds of the Tomcat, I had to look these up, was 173 miles an hour. So I'm assuming that they're holding the Tomcats at about 280 to 300 miles per hour in order to keep them in the shot and not just overblow the Tom or the, the Zeros, which if you look at that shot, you know what you're looking at. It's just really, really funny to watch. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, I, I love that little that little the, tidbit of movie trivia. Things we do to, to pull off movie magic. Yeah. But anyway, that was my nerd fact. That's a good fact. That's a fun fact. Uh, Rounding out this trio today, we had to call in a specialist because we weren't. It wasn't going to be enough just the two of us. We had to bring in a ringer, uh, which we do from time to time when we we have somebody who just knows more about a topic than we're ever going to hope to. So, ladies and gentlemen, please let me introduce today our specialist. Uh, she's a civilian, so you do not salute her, but you damn well better listen to her because Commander Scott does, or he gets a whooping and not the fun kind. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us, I believe in her official debut, call sign She Hulk, it's Nicole. Hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> oh my God. I want to make babies with her. <laughs> hey, whoa. Whoa. First of all, you're not even supposed to be on the show this week, Jay. Third, uh, uh, second, whatever. You're married, bro. The uterus is open. Whoa. <laughs> Nothing to say about that. Just, yeah, just replace me. It's fine. You can. <laughs> or, yeah, have you seen Nicole? Upgrade. <laughs> you see the size of that goddamn chicken? Did you just call her a goddamn chicken? You know what? You know what? She benches you for breakfast, bro. Like, she'll break you. Yeah. Again, yeah. not in the fun way. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to say, huh? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, wow. That was well brought up. Too bad you weren't. <laughs> okay. Any other any other sound about your daddy get out there? I don't know. I think that one was really great. Okay. No, it worked pretty well. Sequence. <laughs> Uh, that was the ever-improving Jason's Not Here soundboard. Uh, sorry, the doc's not here, but we try to make it sound like he is anyway. <laughs> if you have a favorite great. random quote from the doc from any show, please let us know. We'll include it on the soundboard. I got one. I got one. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the size of that goddamn chicken? We, we... <laughs> oh. oh okay. So. It's already on there. It's already on there. But Damn, it is a good sorry. one. It is a good one. Uh, yeah, it's a fun one. It. Especially since none of us seem to remember the context of what the hell he was talking about. We were on a road trip. Where yeah, I know that, Bart, but, but uh, what we, prompted the goddamn chicken line? We were, go, we were going to the Ren Fair. Oh, yeah. That's where we were recording in the car. Um, and he's talking about, uh, he brings it up because uh, we were talking about young guns. Uh huh. And, and he tries to give the, the, the quote. About when what's his name saluting uh, hallucinating chicken, um, it, it, it's 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 a it, it's not a direct quote. He does paraphrase a little bit because the wording is just a little off. But that's what he was talking about. What brought it up? No idea. I thought he saw like some 
big ass sculpture out in someone's yard and he's like randomly have you seen the size of that goddamn <laughs> well the true the truest circumstances don't matter because that that quote will live with us forever now uh so we are here like we said to break down uh the movie of the summer uh, and if you don't believe me, I'm going to throw some numbers at you in a minute to prove why it is the movie of the summer. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, 30 plus years in the making. Uh, seven different release dates because I've got them all written down because I forgot it was that freaking many. Uh, as of the time of this recording, the movie currently sits at $887.5 million worldwide. I believe all but the point five is from Nicole. Yeah, pretty much. who i I will get into uh her mission for this movie in a little bit uh because i think it's a it's a noble effort um it it has (laughs) uh, that's on a budget of 170 million so very healthy numbers uh it is the number one highest grossing domestic release of the year the number two highest grossing worldwide release of the year just behind dr strange 2 but given what I'm about to talk about, uh, it's, it's going to pass that up pretty quickly. It's going to hit the brakes and fly right by. Um, what's blowing people's minds about this film from a box office perspective is its week-to-week hold, uh, which is the, the, the drop from week-to-week. Now, normally with a big summer blockbuster tentpole movie like this, your Marvel stuff, um, everyone rushes out to see it opening weekend. You have a giant, huge hundred million dollar plus opening weekend. And then week two, it drops between 50 and 60% because all the nerds have already blown their wad and gone out to see it. Uh, and, and, you know, within six to eight weeks, it's kind of just fizzled out. And then um, there's me who continuously blows. Yes. <laughs> just over and over again. Uh, from week one to week two, Top Gun Maverick only dropped 28%. From week two to week three, it dropped 42%. And in a staggering move, just this past weekend, from week three into week four, it only dropped 15%. It was number three at the box office last weekend behind Jurassic Park, which just opened a week prior, Lightyear, which just opened that weekend, and Lightyear only beat it by like $4 million. Uh, so it is having an incredible hold at the box office. Uh, which is what it, you rarely see nowadays. Usually a movie comes out, it has one or two big weekends, and then it kind of fizzles out, especially in a, a summer as crowded as this one is. But Top Gun will not die, will not fade. Uh, it is just sticking in there. Um, but hey, John, I get it. It made a lot of money. That doesn't mean it's a good movie, and you're right. Uh, so we're going to throw some more numbers at you. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, our favorite place to go to tell us if a movie is worth watching or not, right? Uh, in Rotten Tomatoes, we all trust. No one ever argues with Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and I get Rotten Tomatoes, it's an aggregate. And we always use them just because, hey, it shows here's sort of the general consensus. And the rot- if the box office numbers weren't impressive enough, especially post-pandemic, the Rotten Tomato numbers are crazy. 97% critic score. That's out of 409 critic professional critical reviews. It has a 97%. Audience score out of a 25,000 plus reviews, it's at a 99% fresh. That's crazy. Impressive. Uh, to put that in comparison, the original film has a 58% critic score and an 83% audience score. So people are very thoroughly enjoying Top Gun Maverick, and that's what the rest of the show is going to be about. 
now that I've got all the numbers out of the way. Um, so first off, spoilers. Obviously, if you haven't seen the movie yet, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So if you're one of the, like, the two people that haven't gone to see it yet, get on it. Um, everyone else, we're assuming you've seen the movie and you want to join in the conversation. So I'm going to toss the mic over now to our specialist, Nicole. Can you break down why you love the movie so much? Um, airplanes. <laughs> well, okay. Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Um, I like I, that. I come from a family that is very aviation savvy. Uh, none of us were ever military, except for my grandfather's, but they were Army infantry. And I just, I caught the bug along with them. So my favorite all-time plane is probably the F-14. It's a sexy beast. It is a sexy-ass beast. It is. <laughs> and I think I bruised Commander Scott's arm over and over again the first time we saw Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> when the F-14 came into play. Because I was oh. punching it so damn bad. <laughs> my brother had a very similar experience in the theater. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, so that's kind of the root of why I like this movie so much. I'm also very keen to support the military in general. I tried to join the army. They said, we don't want you. And I'm like, well, fine. But it's just, it. it's a deep history of why I like planes and the military. Um, as to why I like this movie so much. Top Gun, 1986, is my all my all-time favorite movie ever. Why do I like it so much? It was probably one of those TBS rerun specials that I just <laughs> played over and over and over again. And I'm just like, well, this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, those cable classics that just follow you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I don't know what year it was, but I just fell in love with it and have fell. In Fallen in love with it all over again. Um, was it the 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary special? We went to see it in IMAX. Yeah. Ooh. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, we, <laughs> we drove all the way to Louisville to see it in IMAX. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the start of the basis of why I like it so much. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, Scott, same question, buddy. It, it is it is very good. Actually, so Top Gun was the second movie that I ever actually owned VHS, like, when it came out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't cheap. I mean, VHS movies back then, like, the first one, I think, that hit the home market that I can remember, and the first one that we owned a copy of was E.T., uh, and I think this was the second one. And uh, I, I think VHSs were like sixty dollars. Yeah. Back then, when wow. it first came out, like to buy a movie. Now people had uh, uh, VCRs and such, and you could get you could get blank tapes, pretty decent to record stuff off of television. But to to buy and own your own copy of a movie at the time was somewhat unheard of. Uh, so I mean, they were uh, uh, they weren't cheap. 
to get. And the, the studios were terrified of it. I mean, we, we could do a whole episode on the history of VHS and it might be fun, but that's studios were terrified that people would quit going to the movies if they could buy a VHS copy. So they, they're part of the reason they marked them up so high was, well, we're going to get them our money out of it. If they're never going to go see it in the theater, we're going to get their money out of them yeah. uh, on, and, on the, on the front end. So, yeah. And then, and, and this is, this is a topic we're going down a uh, off topic rabbit hole here. But uh, they also Not us. They also had for a long time, you know, uh, movies were in theaters before, of course, being available on VHS and stuff. But then when they when they left theaters and they they came into VHS and for the home market, like they were for rent exclusively for like a period of like three to six months or something before you yeah. buy it for a yeah. while. Um, and then for a while there, annoyingly, it was for rent at exclusively blank location. Like you could only yeah. rent it at Blockbuster for the next six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, Family Video or whatever big name made the deal with the with the company. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, back to 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 what I actually what I like about uh, Top Gun Maverick. Um, I'm just gonna write down future topic history of VHS. Go ahead. <laughs> and don't forget the the war with Beta. Um, that's a whole separate episode. But um, yeah, uh, so this movie, I, I have some, I have some nitpicks with this movie. Of oh course. yeah, so do I. You know, oh, we'll get into that. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but overall, this movie is right now. Just blow sunshine out the movie's ass. Okay. Yeah, this movie's actually really fun. Um, now, uh, one thing that I both like and dislike about this movie is the realism uh, in the actual planes. Uh, the actual flying, um, uh, you know, it, it picks back up. So one thing it does do, it does do well, and I think we actually touched on this in, in when, when Jay and Jamie V and I talked about sequels, was it does tick off a lot of the boxes that you need for a sequel. Uh, first and foremost, it does not ignore, you know, the, the character, actually the characters that we want to see from the first movie. And that is Maverick and Iceman. You know, we're coming back into it. Where are our characters? Where are they? What have they been doing? You know, had they had they done Top Gun 2, the Star Wars route, they'd have never met each other on screen again, and we'd have never seen them until, like, you know, 15 minutes before they died in film three. Um, when Iceman shows up to throw Maverick's aviator sunglasses over his shoulder and not say a word. Exactly. Um, um, but they give us, in fact, you know, it focuses on, on Maverick. Um, the, the, the movie is titled Maverick. He is quite literally the titular character in this movie. Um, so, and you know, he's, he's still butting heads, uh, with, with, the his, his bosses, uh, and such and, and getting in trouble. Um, and he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. No. <laughs> Well, that's one of life's great mysteries, sir. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I had down for for the things I liked is uh, um, I think this is what Scott is is getting at. Uh, the plot does a very good job of organically addressing all the questions the audience would have. Why is Maverick still only a captain? Um, why hasn't he been thrown out? Why didn't he stay at Top Gun? Because at the end of the first film, he says, "Oh, I thought about teaching him." Yeah, you know, Top Gun got help us. Like, well, what happened there? That's addressed. Uh, why are him and Brewster mad at each other? Uh, what's up with Iceman? And it works. It, it does work in Val Kilmer's real life health problems to the character. Like they're not trying to pretend, or you know, like uh, uh, it's like CGI over 
Val Kilmer make him look like he's he's you know from 1986 anymore. Like we're, we're working in what's happened in real life to the course, and it yeah. very succinctly and very like and it never feels like a grind to a halt to answer those questions. It, it feels like they they work them into the story very organically. Yeah, yeah. which is something you don't see a lot. Yeah, and of course the movie also it it, it does follow the original movie format kind of beat for beat. You know. Yeah. Um, you've got Maverick. He's, he's, he's just like in the first movie, he's got an assignment. He's, he's, he's got his billet he's doing his thing. Uh, and, and he does, you know, something he's not supposed to, he gets in trouble with his superior officer who wants to can his ass, but he can't because he's now under orders to send him to uh, fighter weapon school. Uh, uh, and then no, we'll... no, 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 no. We don't call it fighter weapon school, Scott. This is the movie. What do you call it? I'm not calling it that. You call it Top Gun, and as soon as you say Top Gun, the music cues up in the background because that's it's just like in 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 uh, Pride of Frankenstein. Every time you say Frabrucker and you hear the horse, and every time you say Top Gun in the background, there's just a bell going. Doom. She Hulk smash. Yep. <laughs> anyway, mm. uh, so then we cut to you know uh, Fighter Town USA, which in this movie is not Miramar, California. It's San Diego, California, because Fighter Weapons School has in real life moved. It's no longer in Miramar. It's no it longer too far away California. from California. Oh, really? It's in Nevada. I thought it was in San Diego. It is in Nevada. Really? That's one of my points I wanted to talk about. Oh, see, now I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, they went to North Island, which is San Diego. Yeah. Um, And I believe it, it's a Navy post station, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 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 Weapons schools in Nevada now. Oh my God! Naval Strike and Air Warfare Command Center at Naval Air Station Fallon, Nevada. See, wow. you guys thought I was just being nice when I said we called in a specialist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Not uh, even 15 minutes in, and she's schooling commanders. <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, because I didn't look this up. Because okay, so so unbeknownst to me, Miramar was in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, see, I had it in my head that Miramar was a different location in California, and it had moved from Miramar to San Diego. But Miramar is in San Diego. But they never said Miramar in the movie. They said North Island. Yeah, no, no, in in in, in Maverick. Yeah. Yeah, in Maverick, they never said Miramar. Correct. No, they they say it in, in Top Gun. Yes. 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 Yeah, that I know. Uh, anyway, so you know, Maverick is head head heads off to his new post. Which we get there, the first thing that we have is a, a scene at the bar where all the pilots are getting to know one another. And you have uh, an incident with the instructor. Then we cut to the first day, you know, at uh, Fighter Weapons School in the hangar, you know, which in this one, though, you know, Maverick is kind of in the Charlie role. Uh, and you've got Rooster and, and uh, uh, Hangman, uh, you know, in the kind of Maverick and Iceman roles. Uh, and everything. And then we start going up for hops uh, and stuff. Uh, you know, we even get the training accident scene where Goose is killed in the first movie, and I can't remember the name of the pilot in this one that the accident happens to, but he actually doesn't die. Is that Phoenix and Bob? Is it Phoenix and Bob? No, because remember that you have the guy that blacks... Well, actually, so it's you, the have, other two. you have the guy that blacks out, and yeah. you think he's the training accident. But Maverick is able to uh, revive him by getting a missile lock on him, and the tone, his training, brings him out of it. Well, yeah. then 
they get hit with bird strikes. Yeah. And that's when uh, uh, that's that's when Phoenix and Bob have to punch out. Yeah. Which are so, you so Scott? Uh, yeah. Uh, before you just summarize the entire movie for us. Well, but my, my point is, it, it it recreates the original movie beat by beat while still making it fresh. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What? Oh. Well, I made that statement once before that it follows the first movie beat by beat, and you looked at me confused like I was an idiot. Like, no, it follows Top Gun. Like, every major scene that's in Top Gun, boom, 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 all the way up until Act 3. Because in Act 3 of Top Gun, when they're doing the, the, the mission they get sent on versus this one, that's that, that mission, that Act 3 is beefed up in this one. There's, there's more meat there. Okay. And, and, and such. So... And I was going to say, arguably, Bob is one of my favorite characters in this movie. Okay. Bob, Bob was, was interesting. Bob, Bob was, I think, a bit of a, a wasted opportunity, but I don't want to get negative yet. Um, let's talk action, because that's one of the things Nicole brought up, too. Um, yes, the, 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 the story does a great job of addressing uh, you know, the 30-plus the year gap between films and catching you up with what's going on with the characters we knew um, and, and setting up what's going on now. But let's head to the meat of this thing, the action. It's been billed as real planes, real speed, real Gs. Did it live up to the hype? Uh, I think so. Definitely. Um, one thing I disliked about it, the fact that they have real plane, real Gs that they're pulling. Uh, because in, in the first movie, you know, the, I don't think they did as much practically in an aircraft in the first movie that they did in this one because they, they have the fake fuselage they were turning by hand. And yes, stuff. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Be, because at the time in 1986, they didn't have the ability to wire the cockpits for cameras the way they did today. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell the difference because when pilots are pulling G's, they're, they're taught to, you know, they, they tighten their diaphragm to force blood up into their, uh, up into their upper body and their head to maintain consciousness. It's called the Hicks maneuver. The Hicks maneuver, yes. And um, you can see the actors doing that in this movie. Every you can time, hear them too. You can hear them. Yeah. yeah. Every time they're pulling G's, they're they're trying to act through that. They're they're trying to act and maintain consciousness at the same time. It's a good thing they didn't have to actually concentrate on flying the aircraft. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have a lot of bad actors. Um, but you don't see that in the original movie. And to me, I, I think it took away from it just a little, just a little bit. It was just a little too much realism. I wish they'd have pulled back on the realism just a skosh. Okay. I think they could have, though, to keep the, re to keep the action there. Because they're all filming their own stuff. Yeah. So they have to be like, okay, we're recording now, and then the pilot of the plane that they're in yeah. takes them through all the maneuvers yeah. and crap. Thanks. So you guys bring up some fun facts, because um, one of my pages of notes, because I had too much time at work today, uh, is just fun facts. Um, so, like you said, so a lot of the, the film of this was done in real FA-18 E&F Super Hornets <clears throat> with real Navy pilots <laughs> at a cost of Eleven thousand three hundred and seventy-four dollars per hour. Yeah, that sounds about right. To shoot in real wow. life, uh, the actors playing pilots went through a three-month quote-unquote <laughs> boot camp to acclimate to uh, the cockpit, to flying, uh, and uh, the big thing uh, that Cole touched on 
operating their own camera. So the planes were rigged with um, six cameras, four facing the actors from different angles, two facing forward, and other cameras were rigged with a bunch of just exterior uh, uh, cameras for cool shots. Um, they had to operate their own cameras, including their lighting, their cinematography, and keeping in mind editing. They had to keep their own continuity. So literally the, the director would say, okay, here's the scene we're, we're going to do and go over with them on the ground. They get in the planes, they go up and shoot. The director would sit there on the tarmac and twiddle his thumbs. And then <laughs> an hour or two later, they'd come back and dump off their data cards and, okay, do this scene, this scene, this scene. And they'd go off and do more stuff. And the director would then go through the footage they just shot. Um, that is a lot to ask of an actor. Because <laughs> by the way, you're going to act, you're going to run your own camera. And we're going to have you strapped uh, into the back of, a, of an F-18 with a pilot just gunning it. Uh, have fun. Uh, remember <laughs> your dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess up your line. <laughs> You're going to have to do the maneuver over again. Yeah. Stay conscious. <laughs> Hicks. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, I mean, the whole thing. The whole thing is it is a very good movie. Um, just in its own right. I mean, even if you throw out Top Gun, if you just watch, if you came in just watching this one, I think you would still be entertained. Definitely, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and and you really wouldn't, you wouldn't. There's nothing really from Top Gun you absolutely need to enjoy this movie. There's other there's than stuff, the need for speed. Well, yeah. But I mean, there's there's stuff that give you a better context. Yeah. But if you don't have it, I don't think there's you're going to be like what? Because they explain who Rooster is. You know, they explain why Maverick pulled his papers because his mom wanted and he didn't want him to follow his dad. They they give an audience nobody absolutely has to see Top Gun to understand this movie. There's a couple moments that are like, huh? What? That doesn't make sense, but they also go so quickly that you're into the next action scene, you forget about it that yeah. much, that quick as well. That is one of my gripes with the film, and I'll say it off the bat, though. The stuff that I dislike about the movie can firmly be categorized as nitpicking, yeah. um, because this movie is great. But one of my nitpicks is, and this is not just with this movie, but with any, any legacy sequel, and they do it at least twice that I can remember, where you literally just splice in shots from the original movie, that and and they they color changed them to try to I guess make them look like flashbacks or something. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. I hate that every time they do it in any film because it grinds your current film to a halt and it's literally just showing. Hey, remember this? Okay, you're caught up now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's lazy. I hate it. I don't know who it's for because if you're a fan, like in, in the. I think the first time we do it is when Rooster sits down and he's playing the piano at the bar. And yeah. and Maverick kind of has that moment of like it, it hits him like Rick Wall and he kind of yeah. looks back in the bar. That moment is a great moment if you're a fan of Top Gun because you know exactly what Mav is thinking. But then they try to do this, oh, well, we got to catch up to people who don't know what's going on. So we're just going to splice in a shot from the first movie right in the middle of our movie. And it's like, if if I hadn't seen the first Top Gun, that scene out of context is, oh, okay, cool, I guess, fine. And people who have seen the movie are like, I don't need this. I, I've seen this. I know what you're referencing. Why is this in here? So I don't I know who that's supposed to be for. I agree with that, though. Okay. I understand where you're coming from. Um, but it's also a nice reconnect for those that haven't seen the first one in a while. So like a reminder thing. Not necessarily like, oh, we're catching up the newbies to the next generation Top Gun. I, I liked it as a nice little throwback, nice little reconnect. 
That's me. Again, nitpicks. Yeah, yeah, that's all mine too. <laughs> it doesn't change my love for the film, but and it's not even just this film, but any film that does that, I hate that because I, I feel either you're a big enough fan, you understand exactly, because he's literally playing the same song. Either you're a big enough Top Gun fan, you get that, or you're not, and you don't care. Uh, it's just, oh, it, it's reminding him of his father. Okay, cool. Like, I don't understand who that's supposed to be for. I dislike it. It frustrates me. I'm moving on. I still don't understand why uh, they they decided to kill off Meg Ryan. Like, I mean, she's still around. Oh, still you, you want to jump into that? I can, we can jump into that. I don't. I don't know. I've got. I've got some casting issues with this movie. Again, I mean, if you have an agenda that you would like to follow, that's fine. I, I have an agenda I want to push. It's oh, all oh, political. No. Okay, I, I'm. Just, I'm fine. I, just, you know. I, I have a bullet point. I don't. I wouldn't call it an agenda. Uh, but literally, the bullet point is why no Meg Ryan. Uh, and then underneath that, I also have a bunch of other, like, other than Iceman, no one else comes back. And I'm a little befuddled by that. And, and part of me is like, okay, we don't want to be too contingent upon the first movie. We want this to stand on its own and bring in new audiences. So we don't want to just rehash and just, just throw in old characters, especially if they don't have anything to do. I just want to have a random scene where it's like, oh, hey, it's Mavs Top Gun School 25th reunion. And look, the whole cast is here. Like, yeah, we don't just want to throw them in for the sake of throwing them in, give them something to do. But if you're going to kill off Meg Ryan's character, wouldn't it be, again, what's the number one rule of movies? Show, don't tell. Um, or, yeah, yeah. We're, we're told in a line of dialogue she's passed away. It's like, oh, OK, when did that happen and what? Because um, we don't ever really get like dates and times, like a time frame of this. And it's, it's used to be sort of Maverick's motivation for why he pulls Rooster's papers. Is, oh, I promise his mom. Uh, really? Because his mom never once said, Son, I want you to join the military? Like, I don't, it starts to fall apart when you think about it. But aside from Meg Ryan, Tim Robbins coming back as Merlin? Come on, Tim Robbins? You got, you got screen time for Tim Robbins? And, and my big thing, I love John Hamm. John Hamm is cool. I like seeing John Hammond stuff. He's Cyclone. Uh, but rather than introducing a new character who was, oh, this is Cyclone. He was in the class after yours. Wouldn't it have been so much cooler just to bring in Rick Rossovich, his slider, who's now uh, an admiral? Yeah, but I Wouldn't think... that immediately explain why he doesn't like Maverick? He gets too many hard-ons, though. <laughs> he does. He also stinks out here. <laughs> He, he, do, he does, he does. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, bringing him back as Slider in the Cyclone role uh, would have been really good. I mean, it would, <clears throat> excuse me, it would explain why he doesn't like Maverick just off the bat. And why, but he defers to uh, Iceman. Ice, yeah. Ice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and everything. I, I agree. That would have been beautiful casting. And, we and then on that, oh, go ahead, sorry. But they, they they could have asked him and he declined. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. I don't. I the only casting stuff I could dig up for existing cast is that Meg Ryan and um oh I can't uh, Charlie from the first movie whose yeah, name I can't Kelly think McGinnis. of. Yeah, uh, Kelly McGinnis. Yeah, thank you. We're not asked to come back. That's all. I, I couldn't dig up anything else for anybody uh, any of the actors. But on the same sideline or same same topic of of uh, replace Cyclone with Slider, we have Warlock. Uh, would it have been much cooler to have that be Sundown? Who flew with Mav? 
because those two are like the yin the yang of like Cyclone is yeah. is harsh and doesn't like Maverick and his 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 uh, devil may care attitude and Cyclone or uh, sorry uh, uh, Warlock is the one who like kind of rooting on for Maverick and kind of backing him up. Like, wouldn't Slider and Sun have been way cooler in those roles? I just, agree with Sundown. Just a fan nitpick. Yeah, I agree with Sundown. Yeah. I can go with that. The Slider, nah. I like Slider. I don't like Slider in the role. I can see Slider. I can see Slider in Sundown. I can see Slider in it, but I like John Hamm. I think he did a beautiful job with the role. John Hamm's great. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to take away work from John Hamm, but. Uh, I was happy with the casting in general. And if you want to see what happened to Hollywood and Wolfman, they're the pilots in Iron Man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, they switched over to the Air Force, and yeah. Are they uh, really? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just the first two pilots I could think of in a recently popular movie. Where did who go? <laughs> so that was my agenda. Uh, hashtag justice for Rick Rossovich. Uh, yeah. No, just, uh, again, like there's so many great characters from the original it, it feels like kind of a missed opportunity not to try to work some more in on the on the same note i would rather not see them than have them just there for a random one-off cameo scene uh like mav walks into the bar and in like all the old crew is just sitting drinking at a table or some random like i'd rather not just shoehorn them in just to have them there um so if we're not going to work them into full-on roles i'm fine not seeing them but i feel like we probably I don't, I don't think those actors would have turned down the work so i don't know I that just could be was, a fan thing. They were more on the minor role spectrum in Top Gun. So I'm okay with them not being called back for Maverick. Fair enough. And I like the fresh new actors playing the different roles and everything. Um, John Hamm being a Top Gun graduate in his class. I was like, okay, that's a connection there. And just knowing in general kind of how the military works and how vast it is, I was okay with it. I was okay with everything. Also, John Hamm is dreamy, so he filled that uniform out beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> he just gives me a hard on. Anyway, <clears throat> <laughs> oh god, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, the actor, Meg Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Meg Ryan. Yeah, it was disappointing, and and. They used her her characters is kind of motivation, but like I still think it would have been. She was in enough of a not so minor role that yeah, she would have been a little bit more, a little more context mm-hmm. behind her death, especially since she is the mother of Rooster, so she's the mama hen. Well, and we have a <laughs> we we other uh, you know flashback where we just throw in scenes from the first movie. She's in that like flashback sequence. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I don't know. It just felt like it, her her presence felt missed to me. Yeah, um, she a little bit better of an explanation would have been nice. I'll agree with that. But her actually being in the movie, eh, I'm okay without it. Fair enough. Again, yeah. nitpicks. Mm. Yeah, we haven't got time yet. <laughs> uh, I do love most of the new cast. Uh, and by most, I mean the ones that get any amount of screen time. Because we throw in 12 Top Gun graduates who are recalled for this mission. Mm-hmm. And I can only name about four of them. 
Yeah, there's, I know there's a second girl, and I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> I've seen it three times. I can name four other people <laughs> of the 12, because uh, the rest are just there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I guess story-wise, yeah, we want to whittle it down and have it be kind of a contest. But, like, if you're going to do that, like, the only real rivalry is Ruth and Hangman. And it's a great rivalry. I don't want to take away from it. But, like, that's all we really get. And and Phoenix, you know, other than she's the girl and she's got a past with Rooster that we're kind of unsure of, I couldn't tell you anything about her. Yeah. Uh, And then the mystery that is Bob. (laughs) That's the whole purpose of Bob, though. I know. <laughs> I love his character. He's a stealth pilot. <laughs> oh, no, what specialist. And it really has no sense of humor. What'd you get here? Shit. We <laughs> talked about Bob without me. Yeah. I kept I kept waiting for her because at one point Hangman says, uh, should we tell him what Bob really stands for? And he makes the baby on board. And I kept waiting for some kind of like third act, like Bob is really a badass and like here's his moment to shine and here's what Bob really stands for. And we didn't get that. And I'm okay with it. But I still feel like it's slightly a missed opportunity. His dad is the president of the United States. At least his dad can give a hell of a speech, yeah. His dad can. So so I, I just took it that, you know, because pilots don't pick their own call signs. They do in uh, Top Gun, sir. They but, do sometimes. Uh, if they come with it. If they come, well, yeah, but traditionally, it, when given, you become yeah. a pilot, it's just your personality kind of dictates. And, and, you know. Usually um, it's a whoops moment. And yeah. Something, something happens. Something, it's a, like, a it's never going to leave me. Yeah, a defining <laughs> moment. But Bob is just so bland. There's nothing to latch on to. So the only thing you can call him is Bob. And and that's what I took from it. Now, in all honesty, when when he met Phoenix, you know, and she's like, what's your name? Bob. And he's like, no, no, no. Well, what's your call sign? Bob. And she's like, well, okay, Bob, Bob. I thought his call sign was going to change. To Bob, Bob? To Bob, Bob. <laughs> like, I thought. Bob, Bob, Brian? He was going to be Bob, Bob. No. Just uh. Bob, Bob. And then Bob on one side of the helmet and Bob on the other side of the helmet. I thought that would have been an awesome, awesome uh, thing. But it didn't happen, but that's okay, because I love Bob. Bob is great. He doesn't get a lot of screen time. I want to see another movie. I want to see, I want to see... Top you know, Gun Bob? Well, top, <laughs> top, top Gun Phoenix and Bob. Uh, I want to oh, okay. see them, you know. Uh, uh, don't ruin the franchise. I like <laughs> Don't ruin it. I'm fine. I'm fine with top. Well, again, the 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 handful we get. I'm sorry. The handful we give time to, we're really fun with. But there's so many other characters who like their names and faces, and I can't really quite match the names to the face. And then then they just like they don't really have much of an impact. And I don't know. Like Scott says, we we beef up Act Three, so Act Two kind of gets truncated because I feel like that's where Act Three or Act Two would have come in is more of the competition over who's going to go on the mission. But we kind of had to rush through that to get to the mission itself. And yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine with that trade-off. Um, but I felt like, I, I, again, with characters, I feel like less is always more. I'd rather have fewer characters who get more screen time than a shit ton of characters who get, like, one scene. Uh, you know, the, the Mortal Kombat Annihilation uh, <laughs> way of thinking. I'd rather not see the character than only have them there just so you can be like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Um, so... Uh, 
it's a bit of a trade-off. But again, I'm looking for nitpicks. So the cast we get to spend time with is awesome, uh, especially Glenn Powell as Hangman, um, who, other fun fact, uh, apparently originally read for the role of Rooster and was in the final three for Rooster. Um, so when he lost out to um, Miles Teller, they rewrote the role of Hangman just for him. Nice. Is that Glenn Powell? Yes. Okay. See, now that's one of my nitpicks. Okay. In, in this movie. So in Top Gun, when you open with the on the carrier, you know, and you get the mm-hmm. whole the whole scene with Merlin. Um, right? Yeah. And, and Cougar, Cougar and Merlin. Uh-huh. Um, and then of course Cougar quits, so Maverick and, and Goose get to go to fighter weapons school. Um, and Top everything. Gun. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. And um, characters are going to Top Gun. But when you get when you get there, you know, okay. you find out that Iceman is a friend of Cougar's, and that's kind of why he doesn't like Maverick because he's a took Maverick. Spot, he yeah. took his spot and everything. So you have a little bit of context harkening back to that opening scene of the rivalry between them. But because this movie opens on the carrier, but then flashes to Maverick as a as a test pilot, and then we get to the bar scene, and you know Hangman and Rooster apparently have a rivalry, but we have no context for that rivalry. So if if they'd have given us something in the opening scene, instead of going with Maverick in the the whole breaking Mach Ten thing, which I don't think was necessary. Um to give us some sort of context for the rivalry between Rooster and Hangman. We don't have that. That's one of my nitpicks. Once again, just a nitpick. Uh, I'm going to nitpick your nitpick. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like that's the whole purpose of the bar scene is to set up their rivalry. And I feel like we get enough of it's not necessarily that there is any particular incident. It's just their two ways of flying clash. And they each see each other as the inferior pilot, and uh, because that—that's what plays out the rest of the second act training thing is—is is yeah. Rooster being too careful and Hangman being too uh, loosey goosey, and and th- their styles, i.e., their personality, just clashes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just felt it came out of nowhere, just just a little bit. Well, it's pretty much as soon as they walk in the room together, these guys start bickering at each other. Yeah. So it worked for me. I, you're right. Again, show don't tell. So would, uh, I'm, I'm with you there. It would, you know, a scene would have been cool. Uh, also, it's Maverick story, and we can't ever have something where Maverick isn't around. That's <laughs> apparently rule number one of this movie is <laughs> Maverick has to at least be in the room where something is happening all the time. Because um, it's Maverick story. Don't forget that. So having a whole opening without Maverick, people might get confused and learn where Maverick is. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know. Had, I'm just. I'm thinking like producer here. I'm sorry. Yeah, he he has to be in the room where it happens. Yes. Now, if Maverick came, if if Maverick happened to be just you know in the background while they were on a mission and Big Heard about, if Maverick just happened to to walk through the control room while they were on a mission and overhear it, then we can. No, I'm being facetious. Well, here's a little aside from the rant that just happened. Okay. Okay. Take out the chest pilot scene. Okay. How do we set up Maverick to go back to North Island? Well, no, I mean, you have to show where Maverick's at. Yeah. I, I agree with that. 
you have to show where he's at. Um, but I, so you're going to have to go to that at some point. Um, uh, I, I think that scene could have been truncated. You didn't need as much. We did not need. So this is another nitpick I have with the movie. Okay. Is first of all, we don't need this whole thing of him. So, so he's working on his P fifty one D Mustang mm-hmm. in his garage. The only purpose for that opening scene is so we can book in the movie. That's the only purpose of it, sir. Tom he, Cruise owns a P fifty one Mustang, and he wants the whole world to know that he owns a P fifty one Mustang. That, that, that is the whole oh, purpose like, yeah. of that oh, shot. <laughs> Yeah, that's his Mustang. That movie. is why that's there. That's, I think well, the hangar is his, too. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, the hangar. Yeah, it's, it's all filmed. Yeah. Wow. So then he gets on his motorcycle, and he goes to the test thing, and it's like the sun's coming up. You get the sunrise. Right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, the Admiral's coming. He's going to shut us down. Well, he's not here yet. Let's go. Then we get to the, t- then we get to the takeoff and everything, and the Admiral shows up, and apparently now it's pre-sunrise because it's <laughs> fucking dark again outside. What would, would, would do? Did we advance twenty four hours, or did we? Do you know how long it takes to gas up that plane, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Today's gas prices. Oh god! So that upsets me. Or that so, nineteen eighty six motorcycle. So literally, if we that did, cannot go fifty five, <laughs> but it's right on it. If we'd have opened on the aircraft carrier and given us some sort of scene with Rooster and Hangman or something that would something that can play off down the road to explain the rivalry and then cut to Maverick basically on the yeah, just pick up from there pick up pick up at launch yeah just just splice the scene in between the opening on the aircraft carrier and cutting to Maverick doing test pilot thing yeah that would that yeah. would work yeah just cut out the whole he's working on his you know Mustang in the hangar and the the, the 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 motorcycle ride into the base and the whole oh no, you can keep you can keep all that in i don't care and just, I don't just care. in between those two cut them in there yeah yeah you could splice back and forth i, I wouldn't i wouldn't want to go to that i mean you could you could you're, you're, like you're two different add, parties the movie's to, under two uh, hours it's got time to kill <laughs> yeah I, I but yeah something you, you could have you could have, but you still have to do the test pilot thing because we we do have to see where maverick's at and I think it, it starts out, it, it's a very plausible place for him to be, uh, that he's a test pilot. And, and, you know, like Kelly McGill says, he's not happy unless he's going Mach 2 with his hair on fire. Yeah. I All think we can cut, I think if you're going to cut anything from the test scene, you can cut the whole wandering into town, drinking the water, where am I, earth thing. Like, okay, that was <laughs> a long walk off a short pier. It was, yeah. Especially because uh, we then cut right to him landing in a helicopter. So it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, you you the diner to call for the helicopter. Okay, now you've opened up to one of my nitpicks. All right, go okay. for it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the plane they are testing is not a real plane. Yes, hold on, I have a note it's... about it somewhere. <laughs> it is. They call it what the Dark Star or something. something like yes. They're um, I just forgot the word brain fart. Anyway, um, modeled off of the SR seventy one. SR-72. SR-72. Yeah. Which they hope to start doing demos with next year. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's modeled off of that, but you can definitely see the SR-71 in there. Yeah. Anywho. I tried to go see the movie again because I there's a couple of little things that I'm just, I'm not picking up yet because I'm so excited. It's <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and by the time I remember it, I'm like, shit, the scene's passed. Anyway, um, what's the altitude they're flying at? Was it 60,000? Oh, that's the scout question. Yeah. But details like that go over my head. Yeah. Anyway, I I can't pick up on the altitude that they are flying at or that Maverick's flying at. Which leads to they're obviously in some kind of atmospheric condition because in order to mock 10 around the earth, it's <laughs> can he really survive a punch out from that altitude, from that elevation? Unlike person I wanna... might not be able to, but Tom Cruise would. <laughs> <laughs> but Maverick, goddammit. <laughs> and, and for for more evidence, uh, I take you to the beach scene where that man at age 60 is more cut than I will ever be. Uh, he's not human. There's something weird about him. Uh, Tom Cruise is just not human. So a person may not, but Tom Cruise <laughs> would be fine. So apparently six pilots have ejected at speeds exceeding 700 knots, which is about 810 miles per hour. The highest altitude at which a Baker, a Martin Baker seat was deployed was 57,000 feet. But I don't know what he's flying at. Uh, also, uh, I mean, if he's, he just hit Mach 10.4. Yes. And everything just lights up. He's like, oh, shit, and then kaboom. Yeah, yeah, he's losing control of the aircraft. It's disintegrating around him. <laughs> How did he eject? How did he have that kind of response time? Or did the plane just have a fail-safe that if it disintegrated around the pilot? <laughs> yeah, so so I, when it comes to this, I have, I have some problems with the whole thing. A, why is the Navy developing a very, very... Air Force aircraft. <laughs> there, there is no way that aircraft is operating at sea. It's not happening. I'm you know sorry. why? Because yeah. they are the only um, military branch that advertised in the free credits. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. That's She's true. got you there. Mm-hmm. That's true. You I'm know. like, um, th- this is a Navy movie. <laughs> yeah, that confused <laughs> me too. Also, um. Uh, of course, Mach 10 is 7,200 miles per hour. How is this aircraft turning the way it is at Mach 10? Because he hits Mach 10 and he turn, he throws it into a bank. Does he? Oh, yeah, he's turning. I mean, it's a, it's a wide turn, but it's still a turn. I figured he was just following the curve of the Earth. No, it's a turn. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll have to watch it again. Turn. Yeah, it is definitely a turn. <laughs> uh, and, and that kills me. I, once again, I don't I don't know what current experimental aircraft can do at those speeds, obviously. Well, we're about um, to find out. Well, too. I, I can tell you this about it. The Dark Star uh, was designed with assistance from Lockheed Martin, specifically the Skunk Works Division. Uh, and they did help build the full-scale mock-up of the craft. Oh, nice. Awesome. I think there. I think there's an Insta uh, shot of the the tail of the plane, and you see the Skunk Works logo on it. Well, I do know that in looking at the trivia and stuff behind the movie, when it takes off, the uh, the roof being blown off of the guard shack was not intentional. <laughs> uh, yeah. Long live Ed Harris for standing up to that. <laughs> By God, yeah. The, the fact the fact that Ed Harris was able to remain standing through that weight compression. That's impressive. That's impressive as hell. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't okay. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys nerd out. We nerd. We nerd. <laughs> we nerd. We like it. 
Oh, it is good. So, uh, favorite uh, badass maneuver from the film. And uh, why is it the F-14 uh, missile divert turn? <laughs> I was going to say the spiral down to Earth. Oh, oh that Cobra roll, yeah. Cobra roll? Yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. Um, I really enjoyed the... Uh, I, I don't know what aircraft was being used for the enemy next-gen fighters. Um, but obviously they have, they have vector thrust control. I had a note for that somewhere. I saw something about cause, that earlier too. Because that 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 roll that that bank roll that he does, where they're just like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, yeah. Or one f bomb. Yeah. Uh, uh, Next gen vector thrust control aircraft can do some weird stuff. Um, and stuff that you would think would not maintain flight characteristics at all. Hey, for people who might not know, not me, but for other people who might not know, what does vector thrust control mean? <coughs> so, um, basically, your engines have uh, the ability to change the direction at which their thrust is acting upon the aircraft. So, if you look at an F-14 Tomcat, which everybody knows, uh, or the F-18 Super Hornets, which people know, or the you know just typical jets. You you've got your your engines which are which vector thrust through the center line of the aircraft out straight out the back, right? So imagine those jets through whatever mech, mechanisms do it because there's 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 different aircraft that do it via different means are able to turn those thrust vectors. They can they can change them. Okay. So if you could take your engines and point them not straight down, but an angle down, it's going to kick the back of the aircraft up. If you can, if you can asymmetrically adjust that vector, then you can cause it to do that weird pitch and roll while maintaining flight characteristics, which a is impressive as hell from a technological standpoint that we can build those things. And B, in my opinion, it's doubly impressive as hell that we have pilots that can do that shit and maintain control of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. That impresses the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, uh, that being said, there is one thing that I do love about this movie. One of my favorite things in this movie is Only actually one thing. Well, I said one of. in this movie, and it's right at the top of the list, though. It's like number two there. It's up there. You know, I don't, it may even be my favorite thing in the movie. I don't know. Spit it out. Um, and it's in Act Three. Can we can we go to Act Three yet? Can we? Are we yeah, ready? we already said spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Um, when they get into the Tomcat, is the fact that you get to see more of the interior cockpit yes. of the Tomcat? Yes, yes. Because in '86 they couldn't show it because it was all classified. It's all classified. Yeah. It's all declassified now, which is why we get to see all. Uh, we get to we actually get to see the the control panel. We get to see the Rio's station. You know, we get to see him pull the lever to adjust the wings to pull the wings out yeah, and everything. Yeah. We get to see the interior of that cockpit. Why are the wings moving? Uh, why are the wings coming out, Mav? This is a taxiway, not a runway, Mav. It's a very <laughs> short taxiway. Yeah, it was great. It's like, see if you can get that up and running. Uh, look for fuse number blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, there's a lot of fuses back here, Mav. Uh, can you be more specific? I don't know. That was your dad's department. <laughs> um, 
to answer your earlier question, Scott, the the um, unnamed enemy fighter aircraft are based on the Sukhoi SC-57, which is the uh, the next gen Russian aircraft. Uh, the unnamed enemy in the film. They, they make it a very point to make that nation very, very vague. <laughs> I, you know, in my head canon, it's it's the same unnamed vague nation from the first movie because <laughs> they're still wearing the all black helmets with the uh, the the uh, blackout sunglass visors. There's actually I don't, a the same, is it the same logo? Sorry, is that? Uh, there's actually a kickback about the um, visors from a lot of people, and actually a lot of naval people are like why are they using clear visors and it's like um because it's a movie and we're trying to see their faces (laughs) (laughs) which they did in the first movie with the exception of the the russians the russians Mm -hmm. had the blacked out ones yeah not the russians the enemy scott they're never referred to as the russians in the first movie Mm -hmm. they are never once referred to as russians really they were very careful yep their their aircraft has the uh, red star with a yellow circle, which the the logo in this one is like a bird thing with the yellow circle. But in my in my head canon, it's, it's the same nation. But no, they are never referred to as the Russians. Well, they're the enemy. We all we all know it's the Empire. So <laughs> yes, <Right>. clearly. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they have a Jedi. Uh, there's actually been a lot of speculation online as to who who the enemy in this movie is. Uh, and there's only I think one nation still F-14s. So um, you can look that up on your own. Uh, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, uh, sorry, I have one note under the light, and it just says F-14, and then it has like eight exclamation points. So since we're already on that, oh, yeah. the F-14s in this movie. The F-14. How the amazing f- was that, Nicole? Yeah, we had to get them into the cockpit of a 14. Yeah. We couldn't now, go through yeah. this movie without, yeah. That's the biggest throwback to the movie. Well, and also the, say, 14, the, the 14. They do, they do of, call their shot very early on. No, sorry. Uh, yeah. well, the, the, okay. the, the 14 has kind of become a character in its own right. It has. From yes. the first movie. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they uh, go ahead. They set that up early on, yeah. As soon as they say, oh, there's even a few old F-14s, are like, so help me God. <laughs> yeah, this movie does not end with them flying in an F-14. Then that entire line has no purpose in this movie. So when, when they cut to base and Rooster looks to Mav and goes, you're kidding me, right? I was like, yes, yes. And then that glorious shot of just the silhouetted F-14. There's the, ah, oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Now it's an official Top Gun movie. And that's when Commander Scott got the bruises. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm under attack. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I talked to, uh, I forget who, somebody was like, I don't care how many times the plot had to bend over backwards to make that work. I don't care because I just want to see it. Uh, And and if you want to get deep and philosophical about it, you know, the F-14 is really kind of a symbol of Maverick's whole character, you know? He's he's old, but not out, you know? He he might not be the next gen, but he's still got it where it counts, you know? Yeah, but not in America. That's, that's me being too deep. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. Because the F-14 has been the, the, from service. The only other thing I was waiting for was when we cut back to Mav at the end and he's fixing up the, uh, the P-51 still and his, I kept waiting for us to pull back and show the Tomcat right next to it. 
<laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Just like popped up on cinder blocks because they haven't fixed the front landing gear yet. I want to know what happened to the flight deck of that carrier with hmm. that Tomcat just scraping in there. It could not have been serviceable. Or oh, the night crew buffered it out. It's fine. Yeah, she has to shine. Yeah. yeah, you guys are janitorial <laughs> staff that came in there with those, those those riding things that they ride on. Oh, you know? God, yeah. the waxers. Yeah, they just they just wax that right on out. It's all right. It's all <laughs> that's a, the deck Zamboni. Got the, thing here. the deck Zamboni. Oh, <laughs> And uh, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, the, the, they're the it, it, it's the one job in the U.S. Navy that is has the highest percentage of Canadians. Uh, <laughs> in it. Uh, you know, they the get one that, job in the U.S. Navy with the highest percentage of Canadians. Yeah, they uh, they, uh, they they get they get him they get the they get the deck chief out there and say, oh yeah, we can get that out for you real good, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll have that, we'll have you back up and running in no time, boyo, yeah. You gotta throw a couple more don't you knows and A's in don't there. Don't you know? <laughs> he walks up. Hey, can you come out? With, hey, uh, how are you now? <laughs> well, who dropped a turd on my deck, eh? <laughs> Think we're gonna just buffer that out, huh? It's uh, sorry. Pa's better mind your P's and Q's now, here. <laughs> uh, so, Scott, <laughs> if you're ready. <clears throat> there is one as much as we all love this film oh, there is one uh, glaring issue with yes. the third act of this film i'll let you take it away yes god it's my biggest nitpick of this entire thing i wish they'd have chosen a different mission literally this mission it's the death star run they have to traverse a trench Staying away from surface tower weapons platforms in order to uh, uh, to hit a a ventilation shaft that is three meters wide to detonate the enemy facility. Really, 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 and to make matters worse, one of them because uh, because they're laser guided bombs, but the laser jams on you know the targeting system does not work or is turned off or whatever the pilot that makes the kill shot has to do it unassisted without a targeting system can i add one more to that that i just thought i worked today sure go ahead so in star wars what happens uh one talks to luke and tells him what yes use uh, the force use use the force luke use the force what's the what's the last piece of advice maverick gives to rooster don't think just fly don't think. Use the force, Rooster. Use the force, Rooster. Just do. Yeah. Just do. Sorry. And just do. And and he actually. This is the. That's the one time that uh, Rooster says, "Talk to me, Dad." He's literally calling on the ghost of his dead father. And that's the part when Obi John starts crying in the theater. Yep. I dislike. Uh, I did not like the "talk to me, Dad" line. I didn't like it. That was one of my nitpicks as well. Yeah. Just the whole talk to me goes, talk to me dad. The first time he said talk to me goes, it's like, oh, cool, nice little throwback, move on. Yeah. Then it came back again. Yeah. Then it came back again. Yeah. Then it came back again. I'm like, once is enough, stop. <laughs> yeah. Rooster saying talk to me dad. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. And I was okay with it. It was kind of cringy, but I was okay with it. Yeah, I, I can see Maverick doing it. 
because he did it when they were flying together. I can see him doing it once, but to have him do it multiple times in a movie, yeah. I'm like, okay, come on, that's just. But Rooster would have never said, said that to his dad, you know, because he you probably know, would. Right? He was not old enough; he would not have called his dad Goose. He would have. He, he, he didn't call his dad Goose. He said he called his dad Dad. I know, but he would have never okay. said. He would have never said that to his dad. I I, I, I don't see. Dad? Okay. I don't see. Yeah, I don't see I don't. in my Scott Cox headcanon, um, because we see that Maverick has pictures of of uh, Rooster as he's growing up over the years uh, that, that Rooster has has seen or heard Mav do that a couple times. You know, talk to me, goose, talk to me, goose. So he he just incorporates that into his own thing of talk to me, dad. So, so yeah, it's headcanon. If, Fine. If, you, if you're going to explain it, that's the best way to explain it. Yeah, you're right. I put that under the same category of I don't care how we had to get an F-14 in it. I'm just glad it's there. <laughs> so, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I like it. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that firmly fits into the the Act 3 Oz Steven Spielberg thing of if you've gone with me this far, you'll go with me the, the rest of the way. Um, but yeah, uh, well, nail on the head there, Scott. <laughs> we, I mean, they always say if you're going to steal, steal from the best, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I guess I don't know, um, but yeah, it's the Death Star run. Like, really, really, guys. In fact, I actually, I actually saw it. Uh, I think it was a TikTok video where somebody does a side by side comparison of uh, Top Gun Maverick to Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he hits broad strokes in the story because this, the the Star Wars: A New Hope nineteen seventy seven story is, if you boil it down to it, you could probably find six dozen movies that use the same base story. It's, yeah. it's, it's nothing oh, new. Oh, yeah. It, it, the, the story structure of New Hope is literally just the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Yeah. And, and every movie is some variation of that. Yeah. But he does that. He goes through all of it, you know. Uh, basically, Rooster is Luke and all that good stuff uh, and everything. Now, me, personally, when, when Maverick, you know, uh, basically sacrifices himself to save Rooster... And then Rooster goes back for him. I'm like, oh, hey, look, we're into um, uh, Iron Eagle. We're, That'll be the third movie, Scott. Top Gun Aces. We're approaching Iron Eagle territory now. Top Gun Aces, where Rooster has to recruit a team of uh, ace pilots from the Cold War. <clears throat> and the only ace pilot is Maverick. <laughs> exactly. See? Didn't that work out perfectly? like we planned it uh that is also one of my other favorite maneuvers is when maverick uh, uh uses his plane as a forgive the lack of a better phrase human shield and flies over top of rooster to deploy his flares that was a cool maneuver that was, that a was cool maneuver. beautiful and then i love <laughs> when they finally meet up and maverick just fucking throws rooster like what are you doing the whole point was that you would survive that was fun it was. My mom gap. My mom gasped when that happened because she. I think. I think she was expecting a big bro hug moment, and you know they they finally meet up in the woods and he just like throws Rooster down. My mom goes, "He <gasps> <It> was <laughs> like really, mom." Uh, which side note, seeing this with my mom was the best experience because my. <laughs> mom, I think I told Scott this, but like at the end of the film, 
um, when they're in the F4 and they're flying back and then the other enemy uh, aircraft shows up and they're out of ammo, they're out of flares, they got they got no way out, the ejection handle won't work. My mom is just gripping her seat, digging her nails in, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh, what's gonna... And then, you know, the, the hangman comes in and saves the day. And, just, oh. and I'm like, did you really think they were going to kill Maverick and Rooster Mom? Really? Like, did you really thought they were going to kill off the main characters in the last 10 minutes of the movie? Yeah, they each had their moments to die. And then they <laughs> brought them together. Like, yeah, they're not going to kill them both at the same time. There's no way. <laughs> but, but if you're Nancy, <laughs> the man comes there, there might like, have been yeah, a chance. You can't see that coming from a mile away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless you're Nancy and then you bought a hook, line and sinker. <laughs> hey, you know, but that's okay. Because I'm a little envious. I wish I could actually get that involved in a movie, that I'm that emotionally invested in a movie. No, it was a great experience. Yeah, just watching her yeah. was awesome. Oh, yeah. But no, I, 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 you know, I loved being able to see the interior of the 14 uh, uh, cockpit. Uh, I loved, uh, I loved being able to see him actually use the controls to deploy the wings. Mm-hmm. That was that was cool, uh, and everything. Because we we had when I was at Toyota, uh, uh, one of my engineers that I dealt with was a Rio. Uh, he 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 was uh, he was a Rio in a in a Tomcat um, uh, back in the day. Uh, of course, by the time I met him, you know he was older, retired. He was an engineer at Toyota. Probably couldn't fit into the cockpit of a fourteen anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he was, he was actually, it was, it was funny because when I found out he and I were chatting about it, and of course I asked him about Top Gun because he told me, he's like, you, you can ask me. He's like, everybody asked me about Top Gun. It's okay. He's like, I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'm like, well, I said, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I understand it's a movie. I got, I said, my biggest thing is, you know, in the movie, uh, when, you know, because uh, uh, Goose is Maverick's Rio, which stands for Radar Intercept Officer. You know, and he's like, yeah, that's that's what I did. And I'm like, yes, but I don't know what a Rio does. Because according to Top Gun, all the Rio does is look around and say, hey, go left, go right. You know, stuff like that. And he said, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that movie just screwed over Rio's. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. to no end, and he walked me through what his job was on the aircraft. Oh, cool! And so, literally, what he called it because because he, he you could tell he fell back into old terminology. Yeah, you know. Uh, and basically, he's like because he started going through it, and he's like, "Oh God, it's been uh, it's been so long since I've uh, since I've run an intercept." So literally, you know, he's controlling the radar. He is the eyes and ears of of that aircraft. Basically, he, uh, what, what he would do is he would he would use a lot of geometry uh, and everything, and he would he would provide an optimum fire solution to the pilot when running an intercept. Because on an F-14 Tomcat, at the height of its you know air to air combat, or even air to ground, depending on what the target was, you know, it was his job to say we are you know. Uh, 700 miles out, we've got 900 knots closure, you're at, you know, angle on the nose is positive 50, uh, blah, 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 recommending a delivery package of blah, 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 uh, and, and that's when he, that's when the pilot is selecting his weapons and, you know, maintain heading, like, 
literally he is calling out instructions to the pilot on how best to intercept their target, whatever that target happens to be. <clears throat> and he walked me through step by step uh, you know, seven, eight years ago whenever I had this discussion with him. I, I could have told you a lot more detail on what the Rio actually did because it was fresh in my mind, but I, I, I've lost it since then. But, uh, but he, he, he basically just, we spent like an hour and a half of him uh, running me through how to run an intercept on an F-14 Tomcat. Oh, that's cool. It was, it was a fun discussion. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he and I were, okay. were pretty close after that. Follow. What was his call sign? I don't remember. Oh, no. I think I was so focused on understanding the technical aspect of his job. I don't think I ever asked him what his call sign was. Oh, no. Follow up to the follow up. Do you have his phone number? I do not. I don't, I, I don't even think he's a TMK anymore. You know his name. Nope. It's been almost 10 years since I talked to him. Are you Facebook? But <laughs> no. Does he follow you on TikTok? <laughs> he does not. Considering I'm not on TikTok. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Give me a um, but well, yeah, that's that was, cool. That was, yeah, that's that was a fun, fun conversation. But yeah, he was he was up the. He's like, yeah, he said that's a fun movie and everybody loves it. He's like, but it just fucked over Rio's. Apparently, all we do is look out the window and and, and yell shit. <laughs> They've got that oh shit that's... handle on the dashboard they can grab. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> I loved it when Rooster said that. In that that movie. was awesome. Because his daddy said it first. Yep. As he's looking for planes behind them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the the whole movie is, is is the movie is good. It is wonderful. It's very good. Uh, yeah. We, we we can talk a lot about the technical accuracy and things like that. And I, you you two especially are very keyed towards authenticity. Um, and this movie it, it might not be a hundred percent hundred percent spot on. But it's better than your average bear. Um, and I'll always say this. Uh, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And I think at the end of the day, we would all agree Top Gun Maverick is a great story. Yes. It may not get all the nitpicky things right about the technology. It might make up a fake rogue state so we can have bad guys to blow up and not defend some kind of possible uh, <laughs> a possible revenue for our theater. Yeah. Um, but it's a great story. Um, and it, it delivers everything you would hope a sequel 30 years after the original would. We're catching up with our main actor. We're, we're looking in on the, the, the main character's last one and catching up with where they've been the last 30 years. But it's not just it's not just beholden to that. It's not rinse and repeat the exact same thing. It's got the whole thing of, of Maverick and Rooster and their frayed relationship and Maverick kind of transitioning into his role of trying to be a father kind of character. Now, we haven't mentioned Peggy doll, but the, the scene with Peggy talking to him about being a, a parent, uh, to me, that was sort of the turning point of Maverick's character in this film. Um, uh, and it delivers what you want to talk about to deliver on, which is badass, real fighter planes doing their badass, real fighter plane shit. Doing that pilot shit. Yeah. Um, Did you yeah, mm -hmm. you kept saying Peggy. Penny? Yeah. You 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 kept saying Peggy with G's. Okay, sorry. Penny not, Benjamin? Yeah, it's not Peggy. It's Penny. Which I nailed. Okay. You did. You nailed Penny Benjamin? Oh hell yeah, that was great. She, she did. It was it was wonderful. 
unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to be there, but you know, she sent me pics, so it was okay. <laughs> um, yeah, what in the theater? You're, we're kind of like, oh, and I leaned over like, Randy Benjamin. You're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> because in the movie, there is no line of dialogue in the movie that directly and definitively categorizes her as Penny Benjamin. They keep shut up, Scott. <laughs> There's not. There's not. Shut There's... up, Scott. You shut up. Ah, <laughs> shut I up, got Scott. defended. Hey. <laughs> Let us have fun with it. Shut up, Scott. They in that conversation they are going back and forth about Admiral Admiral Admiral. So they're kind of poking at it, but they're not definitively saying yeah. now, hey, my dad, when you flew over that one time. Yeah, I mean, obviously she is Penny Benjamin. She's credited that in the movie. She's credited that on, on I DVD nailed that but character. Yeah, as soon as he said the name Penny, she's like, Oh, it's Penny Benjamin. Oh, fuck. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Let's do it. Um, but this does bring up my last nitpick and gripe of the movie. Uh-oh. Oh, trying to end on a high note. Okay. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. There is entirely no reason Penny Benjamin throughout, throughout that entire movie is her own character. She's a great character. She owns a bar. She, you know gives Maverick a hard time anytime she can, but she deep down, she actually loves him. She can't get away from him. You know, she's a single mom. She's a strong character and everything else like that. At the end of the movie, what do we do with that character? Jack shit. We just, we just make her fucking Charlie again. Literally, we show up with, with the same shot of Charlie at the end of Top Gun, where she's standing next to a Porsche, which prior to that scene, there's no indication she even owns. Yeah, there is. There is? You see it in this. You see it? Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Yeah. But I've, I've only seen it twice. Um, but in the same outfit. She's got the leather jacket with the same pants and the same shirt and the same hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. Why? Scott, Why? Because Why? Ma- Maverick has a type. Don't care. Don't care. He likes the throwbacks. Uh, <laughs> because Portia paid us money to put that car in the movie. And damn it, it's going to be in the movie. Uh, that 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 whole shot of her reminiscent of Charlie was unnecessary, and and I think I think it was uh, it was a it was a, a misuse of the character. The shot itself, or the fact that she shows up so her and Maverick can have their big kiss at the end of the movie. No, she needs to show back up. Okay, I mean, I was they, like, I'm they, confused. They, no, no, no. But no. Just the shot itself is what you don't like. Yeah, just the shot itself. Okay, like there's no reason to put her in that costume. At all. She should have shown up in the same shit she'd been wearing for most of the movie. Because if you look at the styles of outfits she's wearing up to that point, it's nowhere near that. Yeah. She's a bartender. Exactly. She's a bartender. It's out of context for her. Yeah. It's actually out of context for her to have a porch, in my opinion. But, you know. I mean, she owns a sailboat. She's got money. She's got money. She likes speed, Scott. (laughs) Again... I think you're fixating way too much on the car. Once again, nitpick. It is she just... knows Maverick has a type. It's a thirst trap, Scott. Hey. <laughs> I think it was a, it was an just, unnecessary callback. Just promise me you don't look up the age of the real actress and how old she would have been for the first Top Gun movie. movie. <laughs> Makes it very weird. Anyway. Let's see. What we're talking about. <laughs> 16. Yeah. She was 16. <clears throat> Jennifer Connelly was 16 in 19... 19- depending on the state Maverick was stationed in. 
we might it. know why. <laughs> anyway, he's going to fly over over Admiral <laughs> Benjamin's daughter. I do want to give one big shout out because I know he's listening uh, to Tom Cruise. Um, big <laughs> fan of us, I know. Up, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I see your plane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, your plane is awesome. Uh, keep showing it off. Uh, so, not just him, but also uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer. When this movie was stalling out and, and, and postponing release because of various reasons, not just the pandemic, they had multiple offers from Netflix, HBO Max, and Apple TV Plus to put this thing on streaming. And they all flat refused and insisted that this movie be released theatrically uh, to the point that we've got that great little intro from Tom Cruise on every screening, um, even now saying, thank you for coming out to the theater and watching this the way it was meant to be watched. Uh, And I just want to say to them, thank you for making an experience that needs to be seen on the big screen, uh, on the biggest screen you can find. Um, because way too often people who just care about money, this would have ended up on, uh, this would have been a Paramount Plus streaming series. Uh, Top Gun Part D. Um, come check it out. <laughs> every, every Fridays at nine, uh, 10 episode streaming series. You know, they, they, So often people don't give a shit about content. They just want to put something on their streaming service to drive viewership up. And they flat out refuse it. No, we're making a movie and we're making a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen. And I love you guys for that. Um, and I think you freaking nailed it. So. To Jerry Bruckheimer, who I know listens to the show. Thank you, sir. Good job, Jerry. And shout out to... Uh, to Tony Scott, because I'll always wonder what this would have looked like if it had actually happened in 2012 with Tony Scott. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that's for a different show. Uh, final thoughts on Top Gun. Scott hates the Porsche Nicket. Nicole nailed Penny Benjamin. Um, which I think the things we learned today. Uh, final thoughts. <laughs> I have not seen it enough. I am falling behind severely. Yeah, what, how many so, shows are you up to now? I'm up to three. How many do you have left to go? Seven. Seven. To beat you. To beat me. To beat you. Well, you've already nailed Penny Benjamin, so I think I've you, nailed Penny Benjamin. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that counts. We're going to put that t-shirt on our <laughs> our shop. I nailed Penny Benjamin. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Oh, gosh. No, but I vowed to see this movie, being it's my favorite, um, more than Scott saw the Star Trek reboot in theaters. Yeah. What, 2009? 2009, yeah. He was at nine. Nine times. I saw it nine times during his theatrical run. I have vowed to see it more. I've seen it three so far. So send your gift of uh, movie theater gift cards. Mm-hmm. Which I have one. Thanks, Obi John. To uh, She Hulk smashed Penny Benjamin. <laughs> wow. Uh, which is now going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> to oh, help that effort. It needs to be now. <laughs> yep. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. She Hulk smashed Penny Benjamin. <laughs> oh. Yep. Very good. Very good. Love it. Cut. Print.
See you later. Yeah. I'm trying to so fill on that note. Right down. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you loved Top Gun Maverick as much as we all did. Um, and join us in another 36 years. We're talking about Top Gun Three Aces. <laughs> because according to Tom Cruise, he'll still be around. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Top Gun Three Aces, the return of Goose. Oh, <laughs> me and Scott had a really good fan, fan fiction story <laughs> that started from a fake spoiler. Which, by the way, Scott, I don't know if I ever told you this. When you sent me that fake spoiler, I started laughing, and my brother was like, and "I was like, well, my buddy Scott uh, saw Top Gun, and he was he was sending me uh, fake spoilers. He's saying you know, Goose is alive and comes back. My brother's face turned white, and I went, Scott, it's a fake spoiler." You got my brother with that one. <laughs> yes, because I called him. I called him what? Because because I, 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 when Goose comes back as a brainwashed Russian pilot known as uh, the uh, what was Sven. it? Well, no, it was the it was it was Something a riff commando. on the Winter Soldier. It was the what, uh, the Autumn Commando. That's yeah, the Autumn Commando. Oh yeah. And I texted back, flying a blood red jet fighter. <laughs> yes, flying a blood red jet fighter. Yes. <laughs> Which which the nineties would have totally made that movie. We'll get on that script, Paramount. If you're if you're hiring, just let us know. We work cheap. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, this has been your weekly nerd alert. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch you next time, Scott. You ready to play us out? Shoving in the overdrive